time of year. Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. Thank you. It's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Basement Shelving. How you doing, guys? Justin here, as always. Hey, how are you? Number three. What's going on? <laughs> I got this one thing on my mind. What's Boston, that? Boston Market. <laughs> cheesy, yeah, cheesy uh, Fiesta potatoes. Uh, rest in peace. Guys, I'm here on the heavy hole. You know what this is. How was your week? How was uh, you, you doing? Um, I'm, I'm good. You're, you're excited. <laughs> I'm so pumped right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I, I feel, are you, are you mad at me? No, I'm just so thankful. <laughs> I'm so happy and thankful. That's right. I'm thankful too. Uh, I'm thankful for tonight's episode. I'm thankful we're still here. It's Thanksgiving week. Um, everybody's depressed. No, come on. The holidays are upon us. The only way this year could get worse. Uh, but, you know, we're thankful that we got metal. We're thankful for the underground metal scene. And we're thankful that in this day and age, even with everything shut down, no shows, everything sucks, uh, we got killer online content. Uh, not just ours. Other so, mm-hmm. what are you saying? So, when you take the wishbone out of that juicy, meaty caucus of a turkey and you put it on the windowsill to dry... And then you have half of it with your best friend, and you get the bigger half. Will, what are you wishing for? The paroxysm from Finland demos to be reissued on vinyl uh, at a reasonable price. But until that happens, I got to reiterate, being thankful is very metal. I think so. Yeah. um, And if anyone uh, has a bone to pick with me about that, if you want to talk shit, uh, (laughs) you go to to our Patreon, Mm -hmm. and we got a whole bonus episode about thank you lists in metal and how they date back and how it was a great way to get into other bands before the internet ruined music or before you know the internet expanded music and right there in in black and white or blue and white or red and white yeah or you got friends yeah you got family yeah you got fast food you yeah. got death metal you got death metal yeah you got influences you got i, I don't know probably nobody there's no political views in there thank you tom how was yeah. your weekend it's great let me tell you what uh, I got a new piece of gear. So we got the new mixer we're recording the episode on. Okay. Does it work? It's working great. I yeah. mean, if this episode has reached you, it has reached you. Uh, thanks to Zoom. Shout out to them. How about that? And also this travel case. So we're ready to go. As huh. soon as as soon as we don't have to be locked down, we're going to be doing the podcast wherever we can. Mm. Okay. So you got the mixer. You got the travel case. Do you have... A database of thousands of underground death metal releases. It's a great question, and no. Okay. I need to find somebody who does. Maybe we could talk to tonight's guest, Ken Escobedo, uh, better known as Ken from Ken's Death Metal Crypt and the singer of the band Unnatural. Um, guy, The guy is a curator of underground death metal of epic proportions. Uh, we're thankful for him. Get, get him on the horn. Phone up the crypt. Call up the crypt keeper. Podcast. This is Big Will here, as always, with Justin and Tom. And tonight our guest is 
Ken Escobedo, uh, better known as Ken from Ken's Death Metal Crypt, and also the singer of the band Unnatural. Did I get that right, sir? You did. Thank you for having me, fellas. Our, our pleasure. Thank you for joining us tonight, man. I'm really glad we were able to get this going. We had a few requests for you on the podcast, uh, and we're all <laughs> fans of your platform, so so it's great, man. I appreciate that, and I, I too, am fans of you guys' platform. It's great what you guys do for the for the metal scene uh, in the metal community. It's wonderful. Thanks, man. Yeah, Thank co- you. Cooperation uh, in the old school spirit. And that being said, um, uh, getting right into it, Ken. Uh, we, you know, we told you we're, we're gonna we're gonna ask you some questions about um, your collection and uh, curating uh, all this stuff that that uh, you, you share with us on your YouTube channel. Uh, but before that. Um, your, your background, uh, we always ask, are people from a musical family or a family that's friendly to hard rock and heavy metal? And I would add to that maybe, is there a collecting or a curating thing in your family? If it's not records, maybe it's books or, or antiques or fishing rods. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, but just a little bit about the background uh, to, to the man behind the crypt. Um, well, it, wow, thanks. Um <laughs> It does go back kind of kind of deep back. Uh, I have to go back to my childhood. So uh, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, I'm, I come from a family of, I'm number nine out of 10 children. So I come from a very large family. Um, my parents, uh, and I'll go back to say that my parents instilled a very work deep ethic in all of us children. And um, so growing up, as I grew up, I was born in 1970. So growing up in the 70s with all my brothers and sisters and my parents living in the same home, uh, we were not a very wealthy family. But one of the most prized possessions we had um, in our family was a piece of furniture. And that piece of furniture was a 70s council stereo, which had the turntable was the type that was almost like a piece of furniture. And you'd have to lift up the wooden top and the turntable was in there with the eight track and the speakers were below it. It actually looked like some kind of a piece of furniture. Um, if you guys, I, I'm probably showing my age there, but if you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, yeah, I've I definitely do. seen a few of those pieces. They are really cool. Looking. Yeah, very, very cool. I'm, yeah. They, they are, and that was our prized possession. Um, that was the family's prized possession. My mother and father loved music. They really liked music. And as a family, we had a pretty good record collection. My parents liked everything from, uh, they did like a lot of country. My dad liked a little bit of jazz. Uh, things like, you know, Loretta Lynn and Crystal Gale and, uh, you know, Hank Williams. They, they played a lot of those records. My dad liked a little bit of um, um, Charlie Pride and, and some rock and roll a little bit, you know, and a little bit of jazz, things like that. But um, and then I had, like I said, having uh, lots of older brothers and sisters, like having eight older brothers and sisters. They were into everything from, you know, uh, the Motown sound to uh, to things that were current and, and you know, um, rock and roll and whatnot. So I do come from a family that was very rounded when it came to music. Um, not that not not that any of us were musicians per se or anything like that, but we had a wide variety of music tastes. Yeah, when you have um, that many siblings, something is bound to be handed down to you. That's pretty neat. Exactly, that, and that's exactly what it was. It was handed to us. I have very fond memories of growing up in the '70s, and my mom would be. I remember especially uh, Sunday mornings. Um, you could you'd wake up to the smell of bacon and eggs cooking on the on the stove and my mom's making this breakfast for us all and then uh, you, the loud my dad would put on the country western record and be playing in the family room and we could hear that you know we lived in a very small home again we were not very wealthy at all so we lived in a very small home for 12 people it literally had three bedrooms a kitchen a family room and a, and a bathroom that's the house I grew up in and uh, you could hear 
uh, the record, my dad playing the record in the family room, and we'd wake up to my mom and dad dancing in the family room to a country country record. Um, so, yeah, we we so we, we were we were a fairly a, a fairly musical family. Um, that you know, and and I think that's where it started for me was uh, you know back in the seventies, being a young kid, and of course, um, I did have one sister who's uh, closest to to me in proximity of age. She's four or five years older than me, but. Um, she kind of tended towards a little more of the heavier rock. Um, that's why we got introduced to Kiss, stuff like Ted Nugent, um, ACDC. She had a few of those records, Van Halen, um, you know, it, it, of course, in the 70s, late 70s. You know, those are the things my sister would put on. And I, I also have fond memories of Saturday evenings. My parents, with that many kids, we only got to spin one side of a record. Everybody got a turn because if everybody played one full record, that would take, you know, 19 freaking hours and, you know, we couldn't do that on a Saturday night. So everybody got to spin part of a one side of a record. And every time it was my turn, I just picked out those records that my sister had. Like, again, Van Halen, you know, ACDC, Kiss. I just leaned towards those records. Really no reason. I was just a, a youngster, and I really didn't know why I leaned towards those records. But I did. Um, but it wasn't until that same sister, uh, summer of 1983, when I was 12 years old, uh, we lived close to a department store, much like a Target is today. It was called Zare. Um, I don't know if those were just in the Midwest or in our area or not, but uh, it was a department store. And I recall her asking me if I wanted to take a walk, because we lived within walking distance to this department store, if I wanted to take a walk and go go to the store. Of course, and I explained to you fellows before that my parents saw a very deep work ethic in us. And at a very young age, we had jobs. Um, at the age of eight, nine years old, I had a paper out. Um, we lived around in an area where there were elderly people, and we shoveled a lot of driveways. We cut a lot of grass. We raked a lot of leaves, and we did a lot of errand running for people, picking up whether it was dry cleaning and packages, things like that. So my parents did not allow us just to sit around. We had to have jobs. Um, so being a, a you know a 12-year-old kid at that time and having a few bucks in your pocket was a big deal. Um, so going to this department store... I decided, yeah, I had some money from uh, my paper out. So I said, sure, I'll go with you to the, to the uh, Zare. So we walked down to this uh, department store, and uh, we weren't in the store very long. Of course, my sister goes off to wherever she went to. I went immediately for the toy aisle, thinking I could find some kind of toy or gadget to buy, right? Didn't find anything. Um, and we're literally, we weren't in the store long. We're about to walk out when she says, hey, let's go over here for a quick minute. And we go to the section where there's all the music. You know, they had records, A-tracks, cassettes, posters, all this other music paraphernalia. I think some T-shirts, Kiss T-shirts, things like that. My sister starts flipping through the records, and I'm standing next to her at a bin of records. And I just start flipping through them. Now, I had no reason to flip through them. I wasn't planning on buying a record. Didn't know what I was even looking at. Um, pulled out a particular record because the, the cover caught my eye. I'm looking at the record. My sister says, do not buy that record. It's devil music. <laughs> and I, 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 did, I w had no plans on buying this record. But she told me two, three times to not. I could not buy this record. Well, she could not tell me what to do with my own hard-earned money. So, of course, in my rebellious state, I said, you can't tell me what to do with my money. I'm buying this record. Had absolutely no idea what this record was. Zero. I bought this record in spite of my sister telling me I could. <laughs> That's a serious backfire. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm sorry, Ken, just to stop you right there. Um, I, I do know, I do know where you're going with this. 
because I, I, I've watched recently, you were interviewed on the Growl documentary uh, YouTube series. Um, so I, I don't want to step on uh, that content too much. But if you could, just reveal to us uh, again how, that, how this particular instance ends, uh, what record it was, and, and, and were you a huge fan of it to begin with? That record was Venom's Welcome to Hell. And I only, I only bought the record um, in spite of my sister. I took it home, and to answer your question, no, I thought it was the worst <laughs> piece of music I'd ever heard in my life. When I got it home and when it was turntable time, um, I, I was laughed at. I was teased by my older brothers and sisters that I had wasted my hard-earned money. Um, of course, I said I liked it, but I really didn't. I thought it was awful. You got to commit. I didn't even... Gotta I didn't even it. think it was music. I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, especially after hearing the music that my brothers and sisters and my my mom and dad played, it was nowhere near close. You know, going from Charlie Pride to Venom is a, a system shock. Yeah, absolutely. So, so did, did your sister know, like, knew what it sounded like, and that's no. why she told you not to buy it? Or it she was just strictly, knew it was too heavy. Yeah, <laughs> too she much. just knew it was too so heavy, and it maybe was, she just keep you know keeping the secret. This, <laughs> I don't think no. She did not know. Um, I just knew. She just knew that it was entirely too heavy to uh, to play um, on the family turntable on family <laughs> turntable night. Um, wow. God damn it, boy! This is furniture. You don't play this kind of shit on furniture. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 the thing was, was my my saving grace was my mom. My dad just shook his head. Um, all my, some of my sisters were appalled. I even brought the record into the house. My mom was my only saving grace because she says, now leave him alone. That's the record he bought. It's his turn. Yes. So mom was the one, although I don't, I don't, I think mom would have preferred I didn't play it. Um, I did play it. And as I played it, of course, like I said, I said I liked it. I really didn't. But as turntable time came on and I would get teased about my record, and of course I'd go up, uh, putting this record on when it was my turn, you know, grim, you know, in, in just complete horror of this record, the more I put the record on and the more I listened to it and looked at the record, the cover, the lyrics, I looked at the imagery of uh, Kronos, Abaddon and Mantis and the leather and the chains and the knife. As I kept looking at that and listening and reading the lyrics, it started to, I understood why they were playing this. I understood why they looked like that they looked and I understood what they were trying to say. And I understood then why the cover looked the way it did. And um, from there, I have a brother who's two years older than me, and he he noticed that I actually started liking it. And I remember him saying, those are like the bands you see in those magazines. And I said, what magazine? <laughs> well, there was a magazine store just a few blocks away from our house. And I went there. He took me there. And he goes, those magazines. And, you know, Metal Forces. And I remember I had to wait till I had my next money for my paper out to buy a copy of Metal Forces. And lo and behold, I started finding other bands that looked like the guys in Venom, you know, with the long hair and the chains and the leather. And thus, um, I, I've, I've said this before, but I don't think we choose metal. Metal chooses us. Mm. And on that day in 1983, metal chose me to be one of its warriors for life. <laughs> I love it. Wow, man. Amazing story. Chills, chills. I'm kind of imagining like an anthology comic strip 
of like your family members just being like, "Don't do that, Ken." Yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> they're just getting you more and more ingra- ingratiated into this awesome lifestyle. Yeah, don't, don't 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 send away for that demo in Finland and yeah. then post it on YouTube in thirty years. <laughs> don't look at this amazing magazine that has all the things that you like. That's right here. Yeah. Don't look at it. Let me lead you to it. That was, well, it was supposed to, you know, a lot of my sisters thought it was a phase. And, you know, here we are uh, 38 <laughs> years later. Um, it's ruined my life. Well, well, so with all those siblings, that big family, let me ask you this. Whatever became of that uh, that family heirloom record player? You know what? Uh, being a kid, you know, you never you never think about, you know, saving things like that. Um, eventually, it, it, it no longer worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got rid of that. And we got a new family stereo which um it was in the 80s and it was one of those ones with the disco lights on the bottom nice and it would like when the when the you'd play the records the lights would go on and off and we had that for gosh for many many years until that ended up breaking and you know no longer worked and i you know unfortunately at the times you know when we're kids we don't think about saving stuff like that you know um and and unfortunately they they had to be recycled yeah yeah well that happens man and what about that uh, that initial first Venom record? Is that in the crypt? That is most certainly in the crypt. It will live with me forever. It will uh, go. Uh, it will go with me to my to my final resting place. Yeah, kids don't think about saving things unless it's that first Venom record. You mm, got yet. Mm, yeah. Wow. Man. <laughs> All right. So I I showed off my uh, my Venom uh, black metal uh, cassette on on Instagram Live. I feel very old saying that. <laughs> it's um, so sick though <laughs> to uh, have to. To thread that needle right now, from, yeah, yeah, from we're, that first record, yeah. Um, but 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 uh, so so, all right. And again, you know, I just want uh, you know, shout out to uh, the Growl documentary and their YouTube channel, man, and, and all their content, man. That's why I just had to throw that in there. We always do our research and uh, listen to your interviews and watch your content before we get into an interview. And um, camera's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. And 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 that being said, uh, something I I also know that I've heard you say in the past is that uh, in your humble opinion. Possessed Seven Churches is the first death metal record, and that's your opinion on that um, contentious conversation that comes up sometimes. Absolutely, that's Seven Churches. My again, my yeah, you said it. My opinion, uh, my my opinion's worth about two bits, <laughs> but um, it is possessed Seven Churches. So, could you take us? Because now you took us through Venom. Welcome to Hell. Uh, you know, take us through your first experience with Possessed. If it was Seven Churches, or did you even know about them before that album? Yeah, no, I did not know about them before that album. Um, that that album was my introduction to, to Possessed. Um, it was I was in high school, and uh, you know I had a couple of friends, some other buddies that were into you know speed metal and whatnot, and uh, we kind of feed off of each other as far as um, you know certain bands. And, and uh, one of my friends had an older brother who was really into like speed metal and stuff like that, and he's the one that actually introduced us, the group of my buddy. I had like two really good buddies um, that. I, we share a lot of music and talk, you know, and, and try to give each other tips on bands and whatnot. And this older friend of mine's brother is the one that really got us. And he's the one that introduced me to Possessed. He actually had the cassette when it came out. And when I, you know, it, we first put it on, it was, you know, scared the crap out of me. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, a lot of people call that album thrash. They just, they say, oh, it's just thrash. But, you know, my contention is this. You take a thrash band, take any, think of a thrash band right now, clear your head, think of one thrash band. Take that thrash band, make them play faster, make them play heavier, and make them play more aggressive. What is that called? 
death metal. Yeah, okay. It's, it's death metal. And that's why my contention is, is that Possessed took the level of thrash to a new extremity and created death metal. Um, yeah. But yeah, but that, you know, listening to it for the first time, um, my God, it, it was uh, it was glorious. It was scary at the same time. It was uh, like I said, I was introduced to it from a, a friend's brother. Um, after hearing the cassette at my friend's house in his brother's bedroom, um, I I think within within several days I went to our local record store and purchased it on vinyl. All right, all right, and and this is this is great too because another thing I wanted to ask: um, are are you located? Uh, are, 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 you're, I know you're in Illinois right now. Are you originally from Illinois, and are you originally from um, the area you're living in now? Uh, so I am, yes. I'm born and raised in Illinois. Um, I'm from a town, the town I'm from is called Joliet, but okay. it's I don't live in Joliet today. I live in a town called Manuka, which is about mm, 12 miles from Joliet. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm born, bred, raised in Illinois. Um I don't know if I'll retire here, but <laughs> I'm still here now. But yeah, but yeah, yes, from from this area of my whole life. Okay. The reason I ask is you talk about going to the record store to get the possessed record, and something I always ask people is, could you take us through in that area you grew up in? Are there um, a lot of record stores that carry metal and underground music? Uh, are there a lot of venue? Do touring bands come through there uh, and that sort of thing? What was your experience like as a teenage metalhead in your area? We had one of the best record stores, if not the best record store in all of the Midwest, called Crow's Nest. And it is, uh, it, it's even talked about from uh, neighboring states and neighboring metalheads and neighboring states that are my age about, didn't you guys have this record store called uh, Something Nest? And yes, we did. It, it was in a town called Crest Hill, Illinois. Um, and it, was, it wasn't a record store, it was the record store. And they carried... Um, lots of underground and local stuff they carried they had a great import section t-shirts posters flags you name it they had it every new release ever came out and it wasn't just they had metal they had pop they had everything this record store was the size of a walmart almost that's how big this place was and they had everything so we i was pretty spoiled in that sense um plus we had a pretty big mall in in joliet the area that I'm, I was born and raised in, uh, we had a pretty big mall. And back then, in the, in the especially in the '80s, they had other record stores in there: Musicland, Record Town, um, Sam Goody Records. We had so many different places to get metal. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, we're spoiled in that sense. As far as venues, no, not in Joliet. You had to definitely trek to Chicago, um, and that was one of the big. That was the rite of passage growing up as a as a metalhead. Once you got your driver's license, the first place you went to was the Thirsty Whale on a Friday and Saturday night to get your dose of metal. Um, so that was kind of a rite of passage. And uh, yeah, but it, so you had to go to Chicago to, to the venues. Um, and, and of course, Chicago always had better record stores. But even even I would have put Crow's Nest against any top record store in Chicago any day of the week. Um, as a matter of fact, I had friends from Chicago after I started um, making friends like the guys in Cyanide and whatnot, even having them come to my area to, to go to Crow's Nest because it was such a great record store. Yeah, okay, man. So, um, and you talk about, yeah, you got to go to, uh, if, if I'm a teenager um, growing up in your area, in, in your era, I got to go to the Thirsty Whale in Chicago to go to see some metal bands, right? 
Absolutely. So take us through maybe like the first time you went out there. Like 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 you like was it you and a couple of buddies? What bands were playing? Uh, and what was it like just walking into an underground metal show for the first time back then for you? I wish I could I could give you that story and it'd be epic, but I don't recall. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> and, metal and the too. reason I the reason I don't recall is I I've been to so many shows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my life. I, I, get I honestly, you guys, I'm, I'm I just turned fifty last month. Yep. And I've been to so many shows in my life. I honestly don't remember the first time I walked into any of these venues. I mean, I remember certain shows I was at. Yeah. You know, going back to the '80s and early '90s, late '80s, early '90s, things like that. But I, I have a hard time trying to remember. You know exactly. The first time I went to the Thirsty Whale, because I've been there so many times, I don't remember the first time I went and what bands we saw. Um, largely because most of the time we were drinking, and I, you know, was probably obliterated by the time I got there anyway. Yeah. Well, do you, do you remember any like crazy shows you went to, like when your first couple of years of going, like that one show that's just like, oh man, I, I'll never forget that shit broken arms yeah or, what, what's you know. what's the one that does stand out in your head if it wasn't your first it, it the one show i do recall the entire play we there was a place in chicago called medusa's and it was a fairly small venue but we saw the grind crusher tour there carcass pestilence and death wow it was 1990 i think um i think it was when carcass came on with the minute that the second they strum the first chord <laughs> the entire venue became a mosh pit and yes. when i say the entire venue i mean from the front stage to the back door um and it was you know several hundred people or a few hundred people in this venue and the entire you you could not mosh, you had to like you had to get in in it and you know and i wasn't i wasn't one of these mosh guys so i wasn't really i'd never really cared to be in the mosh pit or anything that wasn't i didn't do that i much preferred to watch the bands um, and I had no choice. But the entire place turned into a mosh pit. Um, I remember several people bloody after that show. I remember uh, pestilence, and that was after just just after Carcass, let alone pestilence um, coming out with Martin Van Drunen and his uh, his signature growl of uh, uh, you know touring on uh, consuming impulse. Mm-hmm. You know the process of suffocation, dehydrated and. He's just growling his ass off, and it, you know, people just start going nuts. People are trying to jump on stage. Bouncers are pushing them off. People are jumping off the stage, stage diving, breaking whatever, um, and then death comes on <laughs> to get it all off. And uh, what a what a what a wonderful time that was! What a wonderful show! Wow, sounds wild, man. And, and, and you, you remind me of a question I, I I've been coming up with uh, recently. Um, to people who've been going to shows for a long time. I, I've been asking people, it seems to me, or maybe um, I'm wrong, nowadays with camera phones and the um, the surveillance cameras and things like that, was violence more prevalent at these shows back in the days, in, in the 80s? And how has the culture changed with moshing and violence and that sort of thing, in your perspective, from someone who's been going to shows for a long time? Um, You know, to be honest with you, I, because I never really participated in the moshes in the moshing i wasn't uh i didn't get into those you know i i wasn't a very big guy <laughs> i kind of filled out later in life but back then i was a pretty thin smaller guy so i didn't really get into the pits 
much, uh, probably because I had just, you know, gotten flailed by, you know, I had just gotten <laughs> thrown around like a rag doll. So I kind of stayed away and just kind of head banged in the corner and just watched the band. I was very concentrated on watching bands. But, I mean, you know, back, I mean, yeah, you know, you saw you saw your share of fights. You know, you saw your share of fights. Um, today, you know, back in these, the 80s and 90s, I mean, they're, they're most I would probably say at least half the time somebody ended up in a fist fight or something, or a couple guys ended up rolling around on the floor or something. Um, I think nowadays you don't see that as much. I think at least at the shows I go to, I don't, I don't quite see uh, as many you know fisticuffs go around. Um, maybe I'm not looking for it, but I yeah, I typically don't see it as much. I think is it, it is it happened back in the you know late '80s and early '90s. I, I think I. As I recall, I probably saw more of it back then. Okay, yeah, just uh, always always interesting to ask about that and get that perspective. Um, and it's something that came up a little bit recently. And um, we talk about uh, the old school shows and and uh, and stuff like that. That's a, that's a wild story. You brought up death. We talked about possessed before, um, and, and you know I understand that that whole debate that comes up. The first death metal band was it Necrophagia? Was it Death? Was it Possessed? Da 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 da. Uh, you know, nobody intends to slight any of the other bands. What's your impression of Death? When did you notice Death coming out? Um, and uh, maybe, like, what's your favorite Death album? Uh, favorite Death album is definitely Scream Bloody Gore. Um, <laughs> OG. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite. Um, why? Because of the sheer, you know, brutality of that album. Mm -hmm. um, I did not know of Death um, before scream bloody gore i didn't know anything about mantis or anything like that i found out about them after i learned about death it, but scream bloody gore was that same record store i'm talking about crow's nest um i had seen the death record scream bloody gore when it came out in their import section never bought it because i didn't know what it was i thought it was a really cool album cover and a friend of mine i was working with at the time um i was still in high school and he he uh he had bought the record because he thought the record, the album cover was cool. You know, he likes some heavy metal and whatnot. And um, then he, and he knew I was into a little bit more heavy stuff. And at work one day, he says, hey, by the way, next time, you know, we, we hang out or whatever. He goes, uh, you know, because I used to go to his house. We used to drink, you know, he was older than me. So he used to be able to get me beer, you know. Nice. So Allegedly. I wasn't a vape yet. <laughs> and he says, next time you come over, I got this record for you. I bought it at Crow's Nest, but I don't like it. It's a little too harsh. And uh, so the next time I went to his house to have some beers, oh, here's that record I was telling you about, and it was Death Screams Bloody Gore. And I said, oh, I saw this at Crow's Nest. I didn't buy it because I didn't know what it was, you know. And he says, yeah, it's kind of harsh, you know. I think you might like it. And he, uh, we, of course, played it on his turntable uh, as we're sitting down at his bar. His parents had a, a finished basement at the time. They, they had a full, like, wet bar down there uh, nice. with the stereo and whatnot. Yeah, his parents used to do a lot of entertaining back then. And and uh, where old, we put this record school, on, old school suburban yeah. basement. <laughs> oh, it totally was, and it was you know his parents you know used to smoke down there, the ashtrays are down there, and you know it was awesome. Um, you know, total total eighties you know eighties uh, thing, and yeah, he played that record for me, and again I'm like, what is this? You know what what just happened to me? And uh, again that you know. Immediately, then I have to I have to research who this band is and who these people are, who these fellows are that made this record, and you know that's when I start back researching and backlogging uh, anything I could on Death. Okay, and um, and and then on that note, 
Uh, you know, we recently had on the show Francis Howard of Opprobrium, uh, which used to be called Incubus, and we had yes. King, King Fowley of Deceased. Uh, King Rocks. Yeah, uh, yeah, great guys. And the reason I bring that up is because we're talking about uh, death, possessed, and so on. And I feel like Deceased and Opprobrium were bands that were kind of right there, but maybe just didn't get that push or that recognition through the years for whatever reasons. We could talk all night. But what are some bands... Uh, or, or a band or two maybe from that era that you feel could have been um, uh, just as big and just as world-renowned as Death or Possessed or somebody, but maybe didn't get that push, uh, didn't get that tour, what, whatever happened, but they were right there and, and uh, could have been just as monumental. Now, are, you mean local bands, or do you mean just any band that I was... Yeah, just just when you think back about possessed and death in that era, like what's somebody who, if you know, if a, if a label just happened to look their way, or if they got put on a tour, you think they could have been right there, but they just, you know, they're kind of obscure now. Uh, and you, when you when you ask that question, do you mean death metal? <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah, death, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, you know, wow. Um, I'll be honest with you. You know, Chicago is so rich with bands. Um, we had, you know, Syndrome. Okay. Um, I think the band Syndrome from Chicago, if you guys are familiar with them. Um, Admittedly, I'm not. I'll look into oh, that. Oh, wow. That, that's why I asked. Maybe we could, you know, get, get you know, some of the listeners and we'll look into it, you know. Uh, their demos are on the on the crypt. You can yeah. check them out there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Both I, their I, I, I will admit I have not watched every single crypt video. I've watched a bunch of them, but not all. <laughs> I don't think anybody has. <laughs> so you're okay. Um, yeah, you know, a band like Syndrome out of Chicago, uh, they were, you know, it's it's some of the guys that were in turn. I don't know if you're familiar with the band Terminal Death from Chicago. Um, yeah, that yeah, that band I've heard of. Okay, so they were, you know, there were guys from that band, Terminal Death, that were in Syndrome. But Syndrome was a, they were labeled a thrash band at the time, but if you listen to them today, it's more death thrash. They were one of those bands that, that took the the realms of thrash and did like i said like possessed would do they took it to a new a new level of extremity they took it to a new level of technicality they took it to a new level of brutality and uh yeah a band like syndrome i think could have definitely hit the world stage they had the they had the the music they had the energy they were tight they had it all right at their fingertips and uh, supposedly they were on the verge of signing a big record uh to a big record label um back in the early 90s i'm going maybe 90 91 somewhere okay. around there they were apparently really close i think i think that i may be wrong with the label but it might have been metal blade maybe um but they were on the verge of signing something big and some things fell through for them and they never did anything after those two demos but Definitely, if I, if I had to pick a band, especially out of the Chicago area, that I think could have hit the world stage, and me saying their names and you guys saying, nope, we've never heard of them, you would have definitely known them had they hit the world stage, and you, I, I think you would have liked them was, would be a band like Syndrome. Syndrome, okay. That, see, that's exactly what I was looking for. And something popped into my head. Maybe um, this might be an eh, and I'm totally wrong, but I, I, I believe wasn't Violgression from Chicago? Uh, they were from Wisconsin. No, okay, I'm, I'm wrong about that, man. Was that it, was the end. I think because Joe, Joe Thasic from Broken Hope, I think, did an appearance on their first album. If, I, if I, Maybe I got that wrong, too. Now I'm totally, totally in the woods with this. But maybe that's why the Chicago thing. But that was another band I always thought um, maybe should have gotten a little more recognition on their first album. 
Oh yeah, Exhounded Export. That was a great. That's a great record. They were. I've saw them live a couple of times. Um, uh, yeah, kind of an obituary-ish kind of a kind of a vibe to their to their stage presence. The first album I always felt. Um, but it's in their demos as well. But yeah, the Biogresh. Yeah, they were from. Uh, they were from like the Milwaukee area of Wisconsin. Yep. yep. I, I I remember now. All right. So I I look. All right. So I looked dumb. Ken Ken got me. You, the listeners heard it right here. It was going to happen eventually this episode. <laughs> but um, all right, so we're all right. We're real old school now. Now, um, Ken, we got to note that you are the vocalist for the band uh, Unnatural, um, which is, if, if I got it right, it's a, a two-man project with uh, Ted Van Tilburg, um, who was in the band Morgue from Illinois, and you guys have four releases on Bandcamp. That's right. Uh, we do. Okay, uh, great, and it's it's recommended. It's very like raw. I mean, to be honest, the the, the bass tone uh, really stood out. It's like like it's it's an obnoxiously raw death metal. That's how we like it. We're a couple <laughs> old guys. We're old school dudes that like old school death metal. That's what we play. That's what we like to listen to. So that's why we play it. We're not setting any new bars. We're not setting any new standards. We're not you know we're we're not going to do anything fancy. It's it's pretty. You know, my idea is with simplicity comes brutality. I love it, man. That's great. So, I, I think Adam Rotella would probably sign on to that statement, too. With simplicity comes brutality. I love it. Um, and uh, the reason I bring it up is because uh, we're talking about your teenage years, going to shows, all these old school bits. Did you ever sing for a band or attempt to learn an instrument or participate in the maybe a zine? I don't know. Did, did you ever participate in the underground back then other than tape trading and, and going to shows? Yes, sir. Yeah, um, I did. Uh, I was involved in several magazines back in the uh, early '90s. Okay. Um, the first one was with. Uh, so you mentioned the band Morg. Um, the original va- bass player, vocalist of Morg, his name is Brad Boldak. Um, I met him in 1989, and um, he was doing a fanzine called Grim Death at the time. And uh, after him and I became met and became friends. I started helping him with that magazine or that fanzine. And then uh, once he no longer did that fanzine, I kind of ventured off on my own and st- did a couple other fanzines. And then uh, instead of doing my own, cause it was just a lot of work, <laughs> I ended up helping um, other people do zines where I would just kind of contribute writing and doing yeah. reviews and things like that. Uh, I mean, any, any that uh, we might remember, any that uh, listeners might've heard of? Mm, let's see okay besides grim death i did one called of the dead that i did one issue on um didn't even keep the issue um i did one called uh what was the one i wrote for um yeah i'm trying to remember the name of it it was uh something begotten evil i think begotten evil maybe um and then there was another one i did and then i i wrote for a couple others outside of the u.s um in like Greece, I was really big into the Grecian scene. Um, in the early '90s, I was good. I good pen pals with the guys in Rotting Christ, oh, and wow. yeah, they introduced me to a lot of uh, like metalheads in, in in their area. So I was writing for, and I couldn't tell you what the names were, but I know I, I wrote some uh, U.S. scene reports for their fanzines. Um, and honestly, I don't even remember the names of them. Um, but I wrote for a couple out of Greece, some like death metal and black metal fanzines. So yeah, I was uh, I was heavily involved in the scene with writing i was pen pals with many 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 bands people doing fanzines um as far as bands um i was never talented enough to ever really do anything in a band i attempted to play guitar in the very late 80s and early 90s but i was absolutely awful so i gave that up just after a couple years because i was not good 
the only thing I could do was growl a little, so that's where I kept it. And um, other than doing some garage bands, Brad and I actually did a small grind project um, where we did record a couple rehearsals, um, and no one will ever hear those rehearsals. <laughs> All right. Well, um, at, you know, as and then speaking of like your uh, things you've been credited for, things you've participated in, I did see something interesting. You mentioned before that you're friends with the band Cyanide, um, who we on the show kind of hold up as a standard of what we call metal of death. Um, obviously, we all love death metal, but when we say metal of death and give it this certain like uh, voice and this attitude towards it, we're talking about that old school, uh, really just raw atmosphere. Like, your band is definitely metal of death. Simplicity is brutality. That's metal of death attitude. And we've always held cyanide um, up to that. And I noticed that you're credited as executive producer on their Death, Doom, and Destruction album. Is that accurate? Yes, sir. Uh, could you take us through maybe just your relationship with the band, how far you go back with them, and how you ended up um, uh, participating in the production of that album? Uh, we were born in the same hospital. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> I met Scott and Mike um, in the band Cyanide around 1989. Okay. Um, when their first funeral demo came out. And uh, again, um, being old enough to drive, obviously, and uh, to Chicago, because they they were born and raised and bred in Chicago. Um, and although that's only 30, 40 miles away from where I lived, you know, that's a world apart when you don't have a vehicle and you can't drive. Um, so once I started making treks up to Chicago to shows, um, I met those guys um, at, you know, a show and uh, they were playing. You know, I think it was around 1990. You know, I think I met them first in eight, around 89 at a show. And then um, they told me they were in a band. And then I, you know, they, their band was called Cyanide. And then I'm like, oh, cool. You know, and then I uh, waited, you know, found out they were playing a show. So, of course, it was around 1990. I went to their show and that's when they had their funeral demo. And then just at that, we just became, uh, you know, the, I introduced them as friends. But those guys are my brothers. They uh, we've been through a lot of things together as friends and as uh, they're my extended family, you know, but um, they're my metal brothers and yeah, we just, you know, so I've known them for that long. And um, just after that, you know, just, we just go into their shows and then supporting them on every show and every release they ever did um, after that, because we became such good friends. But as far as the death, doom and destruction album, that was actually a label that I did um, with uh, a business partner. And uh, we, you know, started the label, and the first band we signed, we decided the first band we wanted to sign was Cyanide. And at the time, they were just coming off one of their demos, and we listened to the demo, and we're like, we have to sign, we have to put Cyanide out. And we contacted Mike and Scott, and they were all for it, and uh, we, they went into the studio, we, uh, we got them the finance to go in the studio, and we, uh, they came out with Death, Doom, and Destruction. Yeah, and was that if I'm not was that the follow up album to the Dying Truth, or was there there was an album between those? Um, so, uh, uh, the Dying Truth was the first album. Uh, yeah. The second album was called uh, A Descent into Hell. That, okay, okay, I got it. So then uh, that the third album was Death, Doom, and Destruction. Got it. Yeah, because the Dying Truth, I actually I, I didn't get it when it came out. I got it a few years later. Um, and that was one of my first introductions to like real gritty underground death metal, uh, and it made such an impact on me. That's why it's become kind of a recurring thing on the podcast uh, to talk about. And I know that 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 came out. I think on the the label was called Grindcore, right? 
Yep, Grind Corner National. Was that a Chicago-based label? I think they were. Because I know they yep. put out a cool, a, f- a few cool releases, and then they kind of went under, right? It's like a cult kind of uh, label. Just curious if you knew anything about that. Uh, I, I'm not sure why they they disband. Um, just I think it was, uh, you know, from what I heard, it was financial reasons. You know, just like any anything else that folds up, that's business wise. But yeah, they did put out, you know, they put out some really cool releases. You know, and they they did. I thought they were, you know, I thought everything was cool. <laughs> you know, they put out some really good stuff. And, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Actually, and uh, just speaking of labels, I, I I did recently watch your special on um on your YouTube channel about uh, uh Drowned Productions from Spain, uh, the label that, that that Dave Rotten used to do that predates Repulse Records. Oh, so you're the one that watched. Uh, uh, thank I, you. I, it's a, well, it's a great resource, um, and I'd love to see uh, more of that sort of thing, man. Because I even you know I'm a huge fan of the first Pyrexia album, obviously, and. Uh, Volst is, is a great band, but I didn't even realize some of those bands. And you kind of framed the early uh, the early scene in the country of Spain as having a lot more to do with guttural vocals than I realized. Oh yeah, that and that's one of the reasons I did that. Mm-hmm. Will is is to uh, spotlight, you know, to bring these. That's the whole reason for my channel is to you know to spotlight the things of yesteryear. And uh, so that the bands today do not forget to pay homage to those bands that, (laughs) um, you know, open the doors for what we do today. Yeah, and exactly. And that's great to hear. It's kind of in the same spirit of why I like to interview some of the um, older artists and more established artists. And I also try to mix in younger, more current artists. uh, And you seem to be um, for all of the, the classic stuff you put out from years past. You always have, uh, you're always repping Maggot Stomp. You got the young bands on. Uh, we were just talking about your uh, live stream you did over the weekend with the guys in Flesh Rot, a great band that um, I recommended on the podcast a few episodes ago. So you do a good job of balancing the new school with the old school. And I wanted to get into, like, uh, you know, you've been in the scene for a long time. And I kind of noticed, like, in the last decade, this, like, swelling of appreciation for the old school in the younger uh, fans. Have you noticed that? Absolutely yes, yeah, yeah, for it, sure. It's it's great to see, man. And that, like that being said, where do you see it going? Where do you see death metal being in a few years? Because right now everyone's kind of aping and tombed and um, like the, that old school gritty sound. The maggot stomp bands are, are breaking simplicity is brutality again. I'm going to use that now, uh, Ken. That you said it, um, but uh, uh, like, where do you see all this kind of going in a few years um, with with bands with the sound? Well, first off, let me tell you, Will, you are a very uh, uh, perceptive young fella. You, uh, you, you, you have you you hit the nail on the head. You you saw my design mm-hmm. uh, with with the channel, um, with as far as having the old school stuff um, and then bringing out the newer stuff uh, for the newer fans and how I'm I'm doing my best to balance both. Yes, uh, but but uh, wonderful. I'm so glad that you were able to to see that uh that makes it all worth it for me if even just one person says that but anyways i'm sorry going to going to your question um i'm sorry the question was again no well no that and that's great because it's kind of in the same spirit of um why i why i try to balance the booking on our podcast is uh i was just saying you know you you seem to have your finger on the pulse of where death metal has been in the past where it is now with the younger generation and what are your thoughts on where the sound of death metal is going to change in the next few years? Because it's not going to stay the same forever. It's not going to be the younger bands aping and tombed and all that stuff forever. 
Um, we've seen tech death, I think, go as sterile and as fast and as beat per minute as it can get. Allegedly. We've, allegedly. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock anybody. We've seen the, the brutal stuff get broken down to as simple as it can get. Where do you think death metal can, can change and progress from here? I think, it, you know, as long as there's bands that want to keep pushing the envelope of extremity, it's it's. I think it's going to be wonderful. I, I really do. I know um, a lot of guys my age are um, don't even want to give the newer bands time. Yeah. And, and I think that's an absolute sin mm -hmm. uh, because there are some extremely talented new young bands out there. And that's why I'm, I'm talking about um, – that's why when I get packages in from labels and bands and people – um, I'm talking about these new bands, and I don't know if you've heard me in my videos. I know I've said it more than once that the future is bright for death metal. With the, the packages and the, the new stuff I'm getting in from these bands, like you called it, you know, bands off of Maggot Stop, Desert Wasteland Productions, Life After yeah. Death, Rotted, Rotted Life Records, uh, Burning Coffin out of Chile. These newer bands, they are, they're, they're bloodthirsty. And, <laughs> and they... And, and you can hear the old school influence in a lot of these bands. They're they're paying homage to the old school, which I love to hear. And and, and you guys, I'm sorry, I'm kind of a death metal nerd. You know, I really <laughs> I get immersed in the stuff that I that I buy and the things that I get in for to the crypt from bands and labels that want me to talk about it on the channel. I immerse myself in this stuff. I am I am absolutely obsessed. Um, Death metal for me is not, it's a way of life. It's not just something, I don't collect it. I buy it because I want to hear it. Wow. And I want to listen to it. I want to revel in it. And I want to cherish it. And I'm telling you, the, these newer bands, every, some people's, oh, they all sound the same now. Incorrect. Incorrect. Yeah, you're, you're I just can listening give you to all. the same ones. Yeah. Yeah. People, exactly. people don't stop playing guitar. It's the good, like, like music doesn't stop progressing. Yeah, it's, right. It's I agree there. with you 100%. And it, you guys are all pretty smart, guys. It, the, these bands today, you know, I can get, I can take a whole slew of tapes. And like I said, I've said this before on my uh, on the videos that the future's bright. These bands don't sound the same. You just have to listen to them. Listen to them, people. Listen. <laughs> these bands are doing something so good. They're, it's creating the new path of death metal. So what's going to happen in a few years with death metal? I don't know what it's going to sound like, but if it's going to be more extreme than it is today, I cannot wait. Man, if, if anything, it's it, the under it, the underground is it's deeper than it ever it, it's ever been because mm. there's you know the ability to create music uh, has expanded. To you know, you don't need to get into a studio. You could do it in your bedroom. We've talked about this before. Yeah, this is what's yeah. going on. Right. It's so become now, more dynamic. Well, there's there's so much stuff out there. So there's more to sift through, but there's more quality there. I yeah, think uh, than ever. There's a cumulative quality. Yeah. I, I it's kind of like that motivational poster where you see the tip of the iceberg and then the huge iceberg underneath water. We're starting to get further underwater right. with it. Um, but mm -hmm. but Ken. Do, do not ever apologize for being a death metal nerd on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, this, this is, yeah, I, I'm like, you know that there's like that famous video of the guy at the um, the professional wrestling Q&A and he starts crying. He's like, it's still, it's real still to me. Yeah, yes. It, I would, that's, that would, yeah, that's, that's me. That's me in my closet full of death metal CDs with the door closed <laughs> at night. That was me at the pro wrestling show. That was me at the... <laughs> we all come from the same tree, guys, because, you know, as I was just telling you about these bands, I'm sitting here, you know, punching the air in, at, at my desk here as I'm talking. Mm. Like, I'm literally getting, like, excited. 
All, all right, man. Uh, well, all right. So now we're getting crazy. Since we're getting worked up. I love it because, uh, you know, like now we got to start talking about the Crips. We, we talked about the man behind the Crips coming up, going to shows. Um, your, your band, Unnatural, as we said, is on Bandcamp. People should check it out. The bass sound is, is just obnoxious. What the fuck? What the fuck is... What, 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 what is that guy doing? I love it. But um, uh, let, let's go back and forth a little bit. I wanted to ask you, you, you collected a lot of tapes, um, and you started collecting them, I would assume, when, you know, once you start doing the zines, they start coming in and all that stuff. Uh, when did you realize I got to get shelving? I got to do like, was there ever a period where, you know, maybe before you, you purchased your house or, or whatever you live in now where you just had cardboard boxes and you kind of like, I got to get this under control. That's such a good question. When did you realize you needed shelves? <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I know it came from me at a point fairly recently. Yeah, no, you just went through no, that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 true. yeah okay. I just never really thought of that. It's so good. <laughs> um, you know, actually, it was so, you know, growing. I, how old was I? I can't remember how old I was when I finally, I was in my 20s when I left my parents' house. Um, finally, I was the last one to leave, actually. Um, but, you know, what? Well, you know, growing up as, uh, as a teenager and whatnot, you know, I'm just stacking stuff um, in my bedroom. You know, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I had like a, I, I had like some kind of a makeshift bookshelf, you know, that my records and tapes and what, whatnot were on. And as I started collecting, you know, CDs in the 80s uh, popped up and, and um, you know, just kind of put them all in one kind of a bookshelf thing. But um, I, then I started getting into crates, the, the, the plastic milk crates for my records. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I would stack those in my bedroom. Um, and then once I moved out and actually got my first house, that's when I realized right then is when I realized, like, because I realized I had a whole room kind of full of stuff. A whole bedroom full of stuff and i couldn't put it obviously in you know mine in my wife's bedroom so um i had a you know we we built a home that you know i had we had a three-bedroom home that we built our first home and um we had a small third bedroom and i'm like yeah i think i'm gonna put my stuff in here <laughs> and that's when i realized like well what do i put it on <laughs> so um yeah thus um the shelving was born and uh things started to get a little more organized it is pretty crazy. I mean, for any of our listeners who have not seen your channel, I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar at least. But man, that man, the uh, the yeah. wall, it's yeah. it's intimidating. It's impressive. <laughs> yeah. It's more than your average Thanks. record store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, it's my life's work. It's worth. I mean, it's worthy of the it's worthy of the question because it's so damn good. Well, yeah, so because so you don't you don't start off as a metalhead teenager with that, you know, attention to, uh, to to curation. And, you know, you mentioned you bought your first house, your wife, all due respect to your privacy, whatever you want to share. But I would ask, is your wife a metalhead? Does she understand? Obviously, she must understand the collection. But like, if she's not a metalhead, what was it like at first? Like, hey, I listen to music about cemeteries and I got a lot of it. Like, what was the... <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so uh, my wife's my wife has actually been asked that question so many times. Actually, um, you know, my wife's a good kid. I got nothing against her. Uh, she, <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> she leaves me alone. My wife knows. Um, when we met, she knew I was into this crazy thing called metal um, right off the get go. Um, she is not a metalhead. Um, she doesn't mind some things I might put on some records, maybe a little Iron Maiden or a little, uh, you know, something a little softer, some heavy metal records I might put on. Queen's um, Rex always good in that regard. 
Yeah, yeah, she doesn't she doesn't mind if I throw on a, the first Skid Row album or something. You know, she's cool with that. Neither do I. Um, yes. But do I. um, you know, when I start getting more deathly and doomy or something like that, um, it, then you know the door gets shut. But my wife knows this is it's not. She knows that metal is not a hobby for me. She knows it's my it's my bloodline. And if you if if that were to be taken away from me, I no longer am alive. Wow. So she knows that. And she, so she leaves me alone. You know, she, she knows that is my thing and she lets me do me. And uh, although she is not a metalhead, she'll never be a metalhead. She doesn't care anything about this stuff. She does, I, for a while, she didn't even know I did a YouTube channel. She's like, you do what? Like, <laughs> she's like, I'm like, it's you, 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 YouTube, YouTube, hon. And she's, oh, well, oh, that's good. Can you go down there and do your YouTube? Then? Um, Has she ever got you a birthday record? Yep, yep. Uh, one of the last birthday records was actually my 40th. She surprised me. My 40th birthday 10 years ago, she bought me, I think it was on Hell's Headbangers. Or no, uh, maybe Nuclear War Now, I think, put it out. I forget who put it out. But it was the Autopsy Die Hard, like, four vinyl set with the back patch in the book. It came in, like, this hardcover, like, um, uh, canvas book. And it's all the demos on gold these gold vinyls, and it's got this huge booklet that came with it. It was the Die Hard Autopsy record collection. Wow! And she, yeah, she got that for me for my fortieth, um, and I was like, "Holy crap! How did you <laughs> pull that one up?" But anyways, um, yeah. But no, she lets me do me, and she knows. Like I said, she knows metal is. Uh, it's it's not a it's not a hobby. It's not. Like you, like I think somebody mentioned about fishing and fishing. It's not, you know, fishing is a hobby. Nah. You know, I like fish. It's well, a, that's my hobby. Fishing well, is my hobby. Allegedly. Well, um, yeah, Ken, I, I, I'm, I have to break the news to you. Uh, Will is exclusively a fisherman and death metal man. We're, we're, um, he's we're, torn we're, in his own right. No there. pun intended, but we're wading into difficult waters right yeah. now. Yes. Uh, we're wading into yeah. dangerous tents. The no. tide <laughs> might be rising a little bit. Yes. No, but I, I get your sentiment on the um, the life. Let's the life just let's, use a, let's do a yeah. different analogy. Uh, let's do a different one. Uh, all right. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's reel it in. Let's uh, reel it in. Come on. Uh, all, all due respect, Ken. Um, but Ken is from Illinois. That's a landlocked state, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we have different perspective on things. So, so we'll move along with the death metal. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually a, I'm actually a fisherman myself, Will. I, I actually uh, um, am an amateur uh, bass angler. I have a bass boat. Okay. I have a, a tournament tournament V-bottom 18-foot bass tracker. He's got a boat. Okay, the tides we, have turned. Yeah, we don't have we don't have we don't have boats over here. Yeah, we don't okay. have a boat yet. All uh, right, this all right, all right. I like it, Ken. Now, quickly, Ken, uh, is this like a family tradition of fishing? Did you discover it as an adult? What's well, yeah, Ken. Are you from a particularly fishing background? Mm -hmm. uh, no, no one in my family ever mm -hmm. fished. My dad uh, said when he was younger, he fished for food, not for fun. Um, I got into it with friends. Um, and me and one particular friend, my buddy Steve, he's the guy who actually I got the uh, um, Death uh, Scream Bloody Gore album from. Good guy. He comes from a fishing background with it, where his family were fishermen and whatnot. I love it. And um, him and I started taking fishing trips um, to local uh, lakes around us. You know, we, we have a lot of great lakes around here. So we would take trips on weekends and whatnot. And then it's, we started inviting buddies and friends. And more and more buddies started coming on. So then we started making it a whole week-long drinking fishing trip <laughs> and staying in cabins and fishing all week. And then that turned into uh, we were doing it at least twice a year. 
eventually me and one of the other guys, my buddy John, he's not a metalhead, no, nothing in the metal, doesn't even know I do a YouTube channel. Huh. Um, he, um, him and I, several years, about 10 years ago, we got a little more serious. Instead, you know, because after several years, the drinking, you know, you could drink anywhere. Um, the drinking kind of took a backseat to fishing. Yeah. And him and I became a little more interested in the sport of fishing. So that's when we kind of upped our game with our gear. We bought a boat together. We actually bought it together. Um, and we started uh, trying to become scientific bass anglers. Wow. That is the dream. Now, uh, quickly, so amazing. So because amazing. We, we could go on a crazy tangent here. But before we steer it back uh, into death metal uh, um, uh, territory, what is like your prize catch? What's the like biggest fish, best 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 hole? What's what's the deal? What comes to mind? I went to uh, several years ago. We went to Minnesota, and we went to a lake called uh, the resort was called Kitchy Landing, but it was a uh, Big Rice and Little Rice Lake. They were called, and there was a small river called Turtle River that connected these two lakes, and. Um, some of the best fishing I've ever done in my life was on these lakes for the week that we were there. Uh, we went. I went with a group of, there were a total of six of us, and we stayed in a cabin, all six of us, in this two-loft cabin, and we, you know, just drank silly the whole week and fished when we weren't drinking. But um, I caught a four-pound largemouth on that Turtle River that I'll never forget because to this date, that's my biggest, the biggest largemouth I've ever caught. Um, I've caught hundreds and hundreds of largemouth, nothing bigger than a four-pounder. Okay. All right. Fair, fair enough, man. Um, wow. And so, so now we're gonna go back to metal because I don't want to get get too too. I don't want to drift too far into fishing territory. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, <laughs> come on. Uh, it gets we, like that here. We're on an island here. We're on an island here. We're on Long Island. Um, but uh, so now something I want to do. We talked about your collection. Uh, obviously, you have a vast collection. People can check out your YouTube channel if they're not familiar yet. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about a few bands, um, and just I don't, I'm not trying to play stump the Ken here, but there's a couple of bands that I, that I've I, I feel like is, are a still, is a game show still obscure. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm in. Let me ask you first of all <laughs> about an old school Finnish band called Paroxysm. Uh, P A R O X Y S M. You familiar? It does sound familiar. Um, I. Might I'd have to check my database. I, you know, right off the top of my head, it does sound familiar. Yeah, I'd have to check my database, but I might. That sounds awfully familiar. Um, Will, before you move on, your database. How do you keep track of all? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Will, do this, you have a database? Th this I do not have a database. You guys know I'm not technological. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ken. Ken uh, yeah, this, tell us about your database. Yeah, real this quick. Begs, what's uh, an explanation? Do you use like a software, or is it just like man? man I mean, I'm assuming some kind of software. Um, so what, uh, going back to when my wife and I were first married and we built that first home and I built shelves. <laughs> so upon building the shelves, um, as I started organizing the records and CDs and tapes, um, my wife gave me the great idea that you should log that stuff. So you know what you have and what you don't have, blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's a great idea. How do I do that? And she said, just put it on an Excel spreadsheet. So, you know, this is going back to this is going back to the year 1999. Wow. Um, so it was hot. That's that the hot yeah. news. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was about as big as technology got back in 1999. So um, and we had a computer, believe it or not, you know, in our home. And that, that was uh, that was I'm a technology guy. So that's what I do for a living. So in your home of all places. Yeah. And, and uh, 
I just started, what I did is I just started with A's, you know, and as I organized the records and the CDs and the tapes, I literally just started logging them on an Excel spreadsheet. Um, and, you know, I got, finally got to the end after a couple, few months, you know, I got to the end. And then what I did is that I would just create a new spreadsheet for the next year and just call it that year's editions and eventually would just sort in those new titles. So that's how it all began was 1999 when I started logging everything and today I have it all on a database um, I have everything logged on on a, an Excel spreadsheet with years and album titles band titles where they're from oh that's awesome oh, okay so I am clearly like bringing a book of matches to a machine gun fight here we're gonna play stump the Ken <laughs> yeah, like I gotta check my database so, alright we're not gonna play stump the Ken Jesus Christ, you guys didn't tell me you had a database. He's like, well, you're like, Ken, do you have a dollar? And he's like, hold on, let me check my millions of dollars yeah. if I have a dollar. Yeah, let me log into the, the, the Fed. Um, Jesus, this guy's got a database. What's right. the next band, Will? All right, all right, all right, let me check my notes. We're going to skip this part. Sorry, sorry. No, we love to hear. I, I love it. I, this I love is it. amazing to oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so good. So, um, I'm, I'm thrown off, guys. I'm honestly thrown off by that. I'm, I'm trying because I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. So you had a database for like the last twenty something years almost. Um, well, what's this finish band about? Paroxysm. Yeah. You mentioned that on a bonus episode. It's once. just a completely obscure band that has never been reissued with their demos and stuff. It's probably like on on the YouTube channel Ken's Death Metal Crypt okay. that he forgot what, about what's it. Spell that again for me. Uh, P A R O X Y S M. We throw some like typing into the mainframe uh, music, like little. And, and I'm not just trying to flex. I bring up stuff like this sometimes. Like I, uh, I big up the mangled torsos actually on an interview on the Necrosexuals YouTube channel recently because I, I, I just want to get this stuff out into the vernacular. If people look it up, maybe a label will put it out again. You know? Hell yeah! Oh, absolutely. I mean, th there are so many labels that are putting out, um, you know, stuff like that. These you see so many labels doing that now that it's it's you know wonderful. Um, you, you know what? I'm not looking at my database, but yeah, I, I that sounds awfully familiar. Um, um, yeah, we actually, um, it's extremely hidden. Um, we had a couple people write in on our Patreon that they were looking for it and they couldn't find it. I think uh, Phil from Phil's Breakfast Metal, he was looking for it. Shout out to him. Um, Interesting, interesting. Do you have anything else lined up, Will? Well, it used to be on, on YouTube. Like what, like questions or bands or something? Yeah, like another, I don't know. I, well, I was going to ask about Gorbage, uh, like Garbage, but with an O. Yeah. Um, Gorbage from Canada, uh, if if you might have ever um, heard, if you remember, I think their demo was, what was it, Green Solution? Was that Yeah, it? Green Solution. Yeah. Yep, there's, a, oh, I, there's another one. You know what, I do have that. I do have something by that band, Will. Okay. I have a demo by them, I think. Yeah, my database is saying I have a 1992 demo. Does that sound right? Dude, every time this guy's... The fact that you're... My database... Like, no, I, <laughs> it's not all right. It's not all right. Ken, I'm scared. You're scared. But this data... I feel like I'm in, in the Matrix now. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you got it, Ken. Well, I don't want to uh, play anymore. Uh, controlled Solution was 94. Right. Uh, there might be there might be a 95 one. Uh, What's it called? Uh, Green Solutions 96. Yeah, yeah. I believe all of their material was recently uploaded onto Bandcamp for free. Cool. Oh, from one that's of the guys good. in the band. So that's a that's a good one. Yeah, good, good band. It, uh, it, ecologically minded uh, um, uh, Canadian death metal band. Very good stuff. Um, and now, all right. So 
Uh, you know, we talked about uh, uh, the crypts. I, I, you scared me with this database thing. I don't want to get too heavy into <laughs> See, that. Like, well, like you know technology, but this is a little too much for you. This yeah, is, yeah, like, yeah. This, this is, is like Terminator stuff. You're, you're trying to US. You're trying to USB plug them in right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. Oh, and, and the database gets deeper because with with the channel, I have to have all of those <laughs> videos and everything I upload. I know exactly what I've uploaded to every track that's been uploaded to every demo. Um, I can tell you the time that that song starts on every. So, yeah, we get pretty deep with documenting things because I'll be honest with you guys. If you don't, somebody catches you. People like to let you know that you've made mistakes. Yes, uh, that I'm so excited about that. Yeah, I'm so yeah. pumped about that. Yeah, we definitely know we did one episode about metalcore where we stressed we were not experts. And like the first comment in like the like a millisecond was was you didn't talk about marauder <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so well shut uh, up guys start your own podcast <laughs> I, uh, yeah, but, um, but, but well yeah let's talk about that because you have this incredibly curated like it goes deeper than i even realized and people can check out the channel but do you ever get like that like those crazy people that are just like oh you didn't have the very first rehearsal demo why didn't you post that like people get very entitled and like tell you to post stuff sometimes in the comment section Oh, you, you guys have absolutely no idea. <laughs> um, you wouldn't. I don't know. What, I don't know if we have enough time. Um, I get some wonderful messages from people, and I get messages from people. Um, so yeah, you would you you wouldn't believe it if I told you the stories, guys. Um, yes, there are people that will contact me. Um, about uh, some of the demos or why I haven't posted or if I have. I get mostly do I have a particular demo. Which is fair. Sure, sure. And I, you know, I'll, I'll always, you know, I answer, or at least I try them. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I do. I answer most anybody that'll contact me, you know, especially if it's my emails on the channel. So I do get a lot of emails. Um, and, I, you know, I'll most certainly answer them that, you know, if I do have a yes, I do, you know, it'll be in queue at some point to be uploaded to the channel um especially now that i'm not just uploading u.s death metal demos i'm uploading demos from all over the world now so they'll you know i do get a lot of, oh do you have this do you have that um and then when i tell them yes some people are great and say oh i can't wait to see it or i can't wait for it to be uploaded um and then some are just downright well you know how about you send it to me or something towards that effect as well. Unfortunately, I can't do that. Well, why don't you have a place where a repository where we can download it? Uh, well, it's called YouTube, and that's where um, I'm sharing it. And uh, unfortunately, that's all I got. You know, and then I just get you know, then it just goes spirals from there, and I'm the worst person on planet Earth. How come you don't have everything I want, Ken? Big, yeah, yeah it, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. but I need it. Yes, I, I suppose you do something nice and you really set yourself up to not win all the time because <laughs> like your channel is awesome I, I've been I've been checking it out forever but I, I can't imagine um, some of the things yeah I mean we we've actually we've we've got we haven't had it bad on the podcast so far I'll be honest we've had a really great response mm. yeah um well yeah that's just because we're we, we haven't we're not big <laughs> well let me let me yeah that <laughs> To be fair, uh, never say that on a podcast, Will. Yeah. Uh, we're the biggest. Yeah. Uh, Joe Rogan, go away. Yeah. Uh, you're done. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, yeah, Jamie Josta, please. I will get you know. Stop, stop calling me, bro. No, no. Yeah, it's fine. We'll we'll fit you in when we have time. No, yeah. but um, yes, no. The internet uh, does allow people to vent in places in ways they shouldn't vent. Well, we we um, but uh, yeah. So so moving on from the the trolls and the and the the entitled people. That, that's that's the thing. It's not even trolling. It's like entitled people who feel you owe them a digital download or something. That, that's what bothered me. When I just, you know, a few of the comments, not not like it's um, inundated with that. Stop it, guys. Yeah, just stop. He does enough, this guy, Ken. Go to work. Database for us. Get to work. So, <laughs> Ken, any idea? I mean, you said you used to write for zines. You've been doing the, the Ken's Death Metal Crypt channel for a few years. Have you ever entertained the idea of writing a book? Yes, I have. Um, I actually write. Right now, I have, uh, I guess you can call it a column. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Noxious Ruin, okay, the magazine Noxious Ruin. Got to look into it. Um, yeah, oh, definitely look into that. My good friend Brian Toth uh, does Noxious Ruin. Uh, he actually uh, spun a record label off of that, a, a cassette label called Hand Route Records. And um, Noxious Ruin is a wonder, probably, in my opinion, the best death metal magazine going today. Um, and that's not just because he gave me my own column. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Into the Crypt, and uh, he just lets me write about whatever I want to write about. Okay. And um, so, um, so I do a little writing there. Um, I did write in uh, a forward in the the book that just recently got published. Uh, I don't know if you guys are uh, familiar with Seven Inches of Death. That book. Yes. Yes. So I, the I, author I, of that I, book. I'm sorry. I was going to say I haven't had the opportunity to read it yet, but I'm very interested. Yeah, that's it's a great book. Um, show, just showcases a lot of the old old forty uh, fives and seven inches that came out back in the day. But um, he just recently released a book called uh, Tape Dealer, and it's about death metal demos. Another one that I, I have to get to. Yes. And uh, he asked me to write a forward, one of the forwards. So I wrote a forward in that book, and I also contributed about sixty demo scans or so um, that were placed in the book. I, I, so, lo I love it, man. I mean, I had your collection obviously dwarfs mine. I recently renovated uh, like a bedroom closet with shelving for my CDs, and I was very proud of myself. And then I logged on to Ken's Death Metal Crypt, and I was like, "I that's a shoebox compared to Ken." Um, but but at the same time, uh, you know, the the uh, the idea of uh, uh, of of you taking all this stuff that you've curated and collected, and you know, you said sixty scans to the book. You're writing. You're you're um, you're sharing with it, and that touches on what you said before about how you want the um, the new school and the younger generation to not forget about what was going on. So you're like actively, um, like a metal historian, really. Uh, you know, <laughs> contributing. Wow, uh, I don't uh, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But <laughs> I don't think I'm smart enough to be a historian. Um, but it, yeah, it, again, it's so so to answer to go back to yeah, I have thought about writing a book. Um, I'm just not a very good writer. Okay. So I don't know how I'd even begin to um, do something like that. So it is something I have entertained. I just don't know exactly how I would start it. Like, I I'm not some, you know, world, uh, you know, traveler that has, you know, toured the world several times with the Stones. So I don't have that kind of credential to, to tell people stories. So I, I, don't, I don't know where my audience would be if I were to write a book like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's why I just haven't, just because I don't know. First off, I don't know even how to start it, and I don't know what my audience would be if I if I did something like that. Um, as far as historian, I, I'll be honest with you guys, I think I get too much credit for this channel. 
Um, I don't call it. I don't call it my channel. I call it the channel. Um, I call it. You know, the people that are the, the people that make this channel. It's not me. Anybody could be sitting in my seat and and doing this. It's it's the content. It's the content of this channel. It's anybody could be in my seat doing this. It's in as long as you have the content to do it. It's 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 the content and it's the people, the metal community that have come together for this channel. It, I honestly think I get too much credit, you guys, for doing this. I, all I'm doing is sharing what my passion is, and that's all it is to me. And it's it's my passion because it's my blood. And I, I feel sometimes people give me entirely too much credit. Yeah, but um, you you took the initiative to do it, and you do it consistently. And you mentioned the work ethic before. Um, that's not anything to be overlooked. Well, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. But I, honestly, the heroes of this channel, the heroes of Krenz Death Metal Crypt are the guys like you. Every single record label, you know, small, small, large record label, death metal record label, every death metal band, guys like you guys who keep, uh, who keep the death metal flame alive, those are the heroes of, of this channel, not I. Spoken like a true hero. Just what a hero would say. Yeah, uh, you know, and and uh, you know, not just that. You talk about personality on the, you know, the articulation um, and and uh, you know, pre precision with which uh, you convey all this information uh, uh, says something. And um, uh, you know, as we as we kind of wind down, um, I, I just wanted to ask you too. Uh, you know, before we ask you, we always close out by asking you to recommend something a little bit older and a little bit newer and all that. I touched on before how I talk about bands sometimes because I want to maybe stir a little interest and get the name out there. Maybe somebody will, re somebody will reissue something. In this climate the last several years where we've seen so many great reissues of this older stuff, what is a band that you think deserves a proper reissue that has not yet received it? A band that deserves a proper reissue? Yeah. Like uh, now, are we talking demo, EP, record, full length? It just would, you know, something where uh, if you wanted a physical copy, it's only on Discogs or eBay for a lot of money, and no label has just put out that sweet little CD uh, discography or whatever you want to talk about. Just, you know, something that's really not available in physical format, but should be. Um, authorized, the source of Dominion, has that been repressed? Um, they were a Swedish band, and uh, there's a CD that uh, was on Putrefe or, uh yeah, Future faction records i believe and out of sweden and it uh yeah putrefaction records out of sweden 1991 um a monster of a death metal album can you say that name again authorize was the name of them and the album is called the source of dominion mm, and putrefaction records 1991 you to buy this to buy this cd and to my knowledge, it was only ever pressed on CD. To buy the CD now in the original format, I think is pretty, might be a bit exuberant. But um, if it hasn't re been repressed, especially on vinyl, it needs to be. This is the epitome of Swedish death metal in 1991. It is next to uh, the album I feel is the, the greatest death metal album on planet Earth, which is in Tomb's Left Hand Path. Um, that was the al that was the death metal album for me that set the bar for all death metal in the entire world, and this this album rivals that album, but authorized the source of Dominion 
if that if it I don't know if it's been repressed. I have the original CD, but if it's has been repressed, it should be repressed on vinyl, and I I would love to have that on vinyl. Uh, all right, again, like a death metal octopus. I asked a question, and you pulled me right in way too deep over my head. <laughs> I've never heard of that, but but we're gonna write that down. We're gonna check that out. Um, and it's just one quick question that that kind of put in my head. We talk about that old school Swedish death metal sound. Uh, have you kept up with, are you aware and are you a fan of this new generation of bands in the hardcore scene, more in the hardcore scene, that take influence from Swedish death metal, mainly in the guitar tone and some of the vocal qualities? I'm thinking right now of like Jesus Peace. Uh, no, I'm not. Um, I'm a, a complete metal weenie. <laughs> I, uh, I, I honestly, my collection that consists of over 2,000 vinyl records, I have over 4,000 CDs, over a, a thousand 45s, um, over a thousand cassettes. Um, all of it, 99.9% .9 of it is metal. Okay. And I don't stray much from that. I don't really get into much hardcore. I get into a little punk rock, a little bit. Probably the other one tenth of a percent in my collection is punk rock. Um, as far as hardcore, though, I, I don't dabble in that, so I have, like, zero knowledge of any of that. Oh, okay, and then, you know, obviously, you know, Venom and, and you know, we talk about uh, uh, death metal in the early, possessed death metal in the early days. When it splits off and black metal and death metal kind of become their own two separate genres in the mid to late 90s, do you follow black metal? Do you own a lot of black metal? I do. Yes. Okay. I have a lot of it. I was uh, there was a time in the mid '90s um, that I uh, all I listened to was black metal. So yeah, I got uh, very familiar with the black metal scene. Yeah, I mean, uh, th there's a lot to take in there. That 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 kind of uh, rift I feel is somewhat unnecessary amongst the fanship, but uh, people do tend to pick sides. So it's good to hear that someone who uh, collects as much death metal as you uh, appreciates black metal as well oh absolutely yeah it's no for sure yeah i'm still oh i i um i'm a metalhead you guys and i i still buy you know i buy heavy metal power metal death metal black metal uh you know and everything in between i'm i'm a metalhead so that's that's i buy metal awesome uh, oh man i'm sorry i, I yeah. keep all right th quick thoughts on queensrike <laughs> love, love the early queensrike stuff the warning Love it. Um, I actually I like everything all the way up. I, I even liked Empire. I thought Empire was a hell of a record, and I think Jeff Tate is one of the one of the greatest heavy metal vocalists that ever walked on stage. The guy still has it. Um, yeah, and and that being said, uh, thoughts on newer? Have you sampled the newer albums with Todd Latore on vocals? I have not. Okay, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, I I'm a big proponent of the newer material with Todd Latore on vocals, but we. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to wind it down, man. I, I'll just recommend that. We don't spend a lot of time on Queen. We spend way too much time on Queens, right? Uh, collectively, yes. No, yeah, no yeah. we don't spend enough. But no, I, spend a do, I spend a we, lot of my life thinking about Queens, right? I'll admit it. more. Rage for Order. Great album. Beautiful album. Um, but I, well, let me just do one thing and just and just echo your sentiments about, about this hardcore type deal. Because I think it's, it's the one realm of heavy, like newer heavy music that... Uh, traditional death metal fans are afraid to get into because of a sort of connotation that comes with it. And I'm not talking about like us forward-thinking folk. I'm talking about like the the masses of you know loving uh, loving traditional death metal. Uh, no new bands come out with anything good. All right, maybe this one sounds like Entombed. I'll check it out. 
but uh, but keep keep an eye out or an ear open to the influences of bands like Jesus Peace, like Fuman Mouth, like Gulch, mm-hmm. like Vane, like the best band in the world, Chat Pile, like er, like check oh. check that stuff okay. out and just and and hear the influence and how uh, where they're not like nec- they they're paying homage but in a in a non traditional sense in, in re- really doing the the evolution of the sound and where it's going next. Um, you might have to do a little bit of abstraction of thought, but that's a, a, a very real kind of heaviness I feel like that's out there, and I gotta say that shit. I resent being categorized as forward-thinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll take it, because you did talk about... I do Fuming Mouth uh, does some interesting stuff, too. I mean, I'm not hating on that stuff. Um, but, you know, you know, Justin just gave us a preview. We do like to recommend music, and big up music, Ken. Uh, we've had you on the horn for a while here. Uh, and um, usually we wind down by asking the guests to recommend anything they want. It could be a demo, an EP, a full-length album, um, old, one older, one newer, and we just leave it at that in general. And it doesn't have to be metal. I have a feeling you're going to go there, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, yeah, so again, I'll, it's it's going to be metal 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because that's, that's all I got, guys. <laughs> that's Love, all, that's yeah, all we beautiful. got here. Beautiful. Um, something old I can recommend. Uh, I ju- I just listened to it the other day. Um, I didn't post it on any of my uh, uh, social media pages, but um, it is on. It is a demo that I have uploaded to the to the to the channel. Uh, but embalmed, uh, embalmed the uh, boiling humans demo. Embalmed from nineteen ninety three. If you and, and it has been repressed on CD. Um, by Dark Blasphemy Records, but if you guys haven't uh, heard that, give give that a chance. Uh, so that's my that's my yesteryear. Where, uh, where were they from? Embalmed. Uh, ooh, you got me. Embalmed <laughs> was from uh, te- uh, Texas. Okay. All right. Wow. Texas. I love Texas. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, yeah they were from Texas, I believe. Okay, and something a little bit newer. Something newer? Ooh, uh, let's go with, God, so much new stuff, I'm telling you. That's tough. Um, So much new stuff. There was a demo that literally I I just uh, uploaded, the last video I uploaded, um, on Burning Coffin Records, a band from Chile uh, that was called Deconsecrated. Mm. And it's spelled with a K. So it's it's D-E-C-O-N. S E K R A T E D. So it's a K instead of a, another C. Um, but they have a demo called The Hidden Paths that's on Burning Coffin Records. Uh, that demo kicked my butt. So that would be my new recommendation is that demo from the Chilean band Deconsecrated. Wow. Okay, man. All right. Yes. Powerful, man. And, um, all right. That being said, Ken, uh, you know we've had you on the phone for a while. You gave us your recommendations. We heard a lot of your story. You you scared me, um, and, and showed me who the true death metal uh, historian is. I, I'm I'm humbled. Uh, is there anything else? Well, who is it? Well, who, who is it? Tell me, and then we'll both know who is it. What? Uh, um, what uh, is there anything else that you want to plug anything else you want to talk about any um last messages to uh followers of your youtube channel or your other social media um just no (laughs) (laughs) um uh uh, every yeah as far as plugging anything just everybody every single human being and label 
band person that has um, messaged the channel, uh, sent me messages through social media, whether it's Instagram or, or Facebook, um, it has given me encouragement because um, they are the true inspiration of this channel. They are the, the it's it's the viewers that are the true in the messages that I'm getting, whether like again whether it be on Facebook, Instagram, or my email, or just comments on the channel. It is those people that that are the true inspiration behind this channel, um, and how they how the metal community can come together for a channel like this, and uh, everybody go under one banner. I know that's hard to do these days, um, that we are such a divided country, and such a divided world that it's so cool to see just a small group of people known as metalheads come together under one banner. And if that banner's, banner's called Ken's Death Metal Crypt, then so be it. <laughs> wow, man. Uh, all right. What a, what a, we got to leave it there. Uh, I could talk shit all night. It, Ken, we thank you so much for your time. It was great to have you on. I'm sure the listeners appreciate it as well, man. And Ken's Death Metal Crypt is the YouTube channel. Unnatural is the band that you provide vocals for, uh, and you can find that on Bandcamp if you're looking for it. Um, and if I missed anything, let me know. Otherwise, thank you so much, Ken. Thank you guys for having me on, and again, thank you to everybody who is uh, who's who's uh, into the channel. All, every single viewer, every single subscriber, thank you for your encouragement, all of your encouraging words and inspiration. Awesome, man. All, all man. the best to you and your family, Ken. And uh, we're going to be in, in touch with you as the episode is produced and uploaded. All right, brother? Be well, guys. All right, thank you very much to Ken from Ken's Death Metal Crypt and the band Unnatural for joining us this evening. Um, I'm truly humbled. Uh, my collection has been dwarfed, as has my knowledge of underground death metal. I know nothing. Oh, I wouldn't exactly say that. but I'm uh, a newborn baby in the world of death metal compared to that man. That was a brilliant interview. A lot of fun. Yeah, Not, he's fantastic. He's yeah. uh, he's the per like like what uh, what an amazing ambassador for uh, for the yeah. genre. Yeah, like an ambassador, a historian. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. I, I mean, I just talk, and I, I have an accent. Uh, but like that guy, he he does something. It's great. Yeah, he doesn't make you feel bad if you don't have every demo Finland ever came out with. Yeah, but you guys are gonna make me feel bad if you don't at least have a recommendation this evening. Could you imagine? Yeah, the emptiness. I, well, <laughs> I <Yeah>. could. Yeah, <laughs> definitely I, imagine. Yeah, I'm just gonna recommend you guys watch Ken's Death Metal Crypt. Mm. All right. All right. Well, this week I have a couple of recommendations. Uh, my first one, I just want to get this out of the way. Uh, I just recommend um, the thankfulness to my friends. Does that work? Does this work? Yeah, I, that's fine. I recommend extra gravy to all my friends. How you doing? Okay. Uh, but if I could be serious for just the half a second, can you? Um, I've been waiting. <laughs> it's possible. So. Will, check this out. You ever hear of a band called Master? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah, you heard it when I brought it to you right now as my recommendation on the Heavy Hole podcast. Whoa. So we have Master's 1991 record on the seventh day. God created Master. Love Guess it. what number day it is right now. Wait a minute. One, 
now two, it's Monday. three, four, five, seven, seventh day. How you doing? Um, master, amazing band at a sh- started in Chicago, led by bassist vocalist Paul Speckman. Yes, sir. Might we be hearing that name soon? Allegedly, it's possible. Mm. It's all possible on the holidays. Uh, Paul Speckman, also of uh, the illustrious Abomination, uh, fantastic. He's got a huge. Uh, well, we'll talk about it. So, yeah, this album fucking completely rips. Uh, I I was really drawn to this, uh, at, you know, after after listening uh, as as really making the relation to to hardcore. I feel like this has just as much of an influence on some you know some modern hardcore stuff as like a obituary would. You know what I mean? So parts of this sound like a Madball record to me. You know, there's no blast beats. It, it's it's groove oriented with fucking amazing solos and uh and those leads that are so amazing is because on this record you got paul mastaval of uh of cynic fame which is mm. a, a completely be- beautiful thing it's uh, a good check i love the tech the technicality uh, of his uh musicianship mixed with this this complete brutality um of the rest of the band uh you know there's things that 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 happen where you know uh Paul Speckman moved to Czech Republic, uh, you know, moved this whole operation over there, got in this band Krabathor, if that's how you say it. I feel like we're going to be getting all into this, and I don't want to put too many, like, Alleged. you know, spoilers or whatever. Just some some, some Thanksgiving miracle just is, is, is bugging in my ear about this. But uh, Masters on the seventh day, God Created Master, uh, is a, a super essential record, I think, if... if if you like obituary and nothing else, or and, you know, uh, you like that the hardcore elements, that the straight brutality elements, um, that that early '90s thrash death metal has to offer, uh, you really need to check this record out. It's it's understated, um, underappreciated uh, until now because I'm given an appreciation. How you doing? Classic, uh, yeah, classic old school seminal death metal record. Master has a big catalog. You can go back and check out and and all that. Uh, but like it's like this album is definitely um, you, you want to if you just want to have like that collection of that era and, and these like um, uh, groundbreaking death metal records this is a great one to have especially like you said with Paul Master all on it and um, uh, if you like Master enough you go down that wormhole there's a lot to get into with Master a lot. Tonight, I'd like to recommend the band Realm and their album Endless War on RC Records, coming out in November of 1988. Hmm. Um, this this record has has been flooring me recently. Um, this is one of those kind of releases in which you hear things like thrash. I think it questions, um, or rather, it puts to task the idea of genres. Either way, I think that a lot of people who like metal and maybe are leaning one way or another, what they prefer, this is an album you should listen to because you could find so much, um, so many inspiring things about this. This vocalist doing the um, kind of like the anthrax, almost King Diamond-esque, really high pitches uh, with such power. It, it made me almost 
like question vocals at all. This delivery with some of the really brutal parts on here. I hear riffs in this guitar work, bass work and stuff that's almost akin to like suffocation. But this doesn't sound anything like that. I hear riffs that I, I would hear like Terrence Hobb put down in effigy. On top of these kind of vocals, it's so refreshing. It's got this Iron Maiden kind of quality. It's it's um, it's that technical like um, uh, Aspid. If, if anyone's familiar with the band Aspid, I believe I brought them in as a recommendation earlier. That kind of thrash that turned into death metal, but first was technical. Before it, it mm-hmm. was brutal. Um, it's just it's a really amazing vocal uh, vocal performance on top of. Just uh, amazing writing. The guitar work is phenomenal. And one thing I I kept thinking about when hearing it was Pantera. The guitar work, the whammy bar stuff. I feel like this was in Dimebag Daryl's collection, uh, perhaps before he was in that band, Pantera, Mm -hmm. that everyone knows. Um, There's something, I would not call it ripping off, but I feel like there was an influence there. It's, uh, It's too similar to Overlook. What a fucking album. I, I, I'm in love with the guitar playing. I'm in love with the bass player. Um, the package is just gorgeous. Uh, best album of the century, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly. Probably I might find another one, but yeah, this yeah. is up there. This, yeah, is, this is really fucking good, brother. Wow. Yeah, for, for for the year of 1988, I think this is like a perfect album. Yeah. yeah. Not in my normal wheelhouse, but I can definitely appreciate what's going on here in the... Um the, the technicality, I guess, and the musicianship, definitely. A thrash band like uh, edging on death metal mm-hmm. and then became death metal with the technicality is testament. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, definitely. Like, this, this, I feel like this falls in, into that realm. Okay, my turn. Uh, Tell us. (laughs) Tell us what it is. I want to talk about (laughs) Deflesh from Uppsala, Sweden, if I said that right. Um, A band that was around in the 90s and the early 2000s. They had a series of no less than five full-length albums and uh, three demos uh, and a single. And then somewhere in between there, they released this 1994 EP that predates all those full-length albums. Mabel Scalpel. They had a little, uh, they liked wordplay. The first album after that was called Abra Cadavra. Um, and you know, you could, you know, if you, if you get into that, they even have a, had a live album too. If you get into this, you could check out their later albums and you'll be the judge. Uh, I'm a particular fan of this first EP from 94, Mabel Scalpel by Defleshed from Sweden, released on uh, Invasion Records from Germany. And uh, for 1994 Sweden, this might not be what you're expecting. I don't think this is traditional Swedish-style death metal like we get with Entombed and Dismember, uh, Nihilist, Carnage, that whole thing. Definitely not at the gates. If anything, this EP has always reminded me of older Cryptopsy. I said that before. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we were outside. We were burning wood. Yep. Yep. That's, yep. yep. Um, uh, and uh, there's yep. just a, a combination of elements 
from the kind of poppy snare and the and the and the, uh, the the kind of clicky trigger, like not not trigger, but clicky drum sound that goes on. Uh, the drummer is very fast and kind of hyper speeding and. Um, has a cool attention to groove that, that harkens back to Cryptopsy. The vocals have a Lord Worm-like uh, kind of just growled, barked approach. And there's something in the riffing that is not that not that kind of like old crusty meets melodic Swedish death metal sound we're used to. If anything, it has uh, a lot of those more, I guess you could say American uh, death metal influences, maybe somewhere on Suffocation. Or, uh, you know, a European band Sinister, uh, maybe, or, or like Hypocrisy more than your traditional melodic European bands at the time were doing. And all of this uh, combined with maybe a sim some similar production qualities to, uh, I'm thinking of the first Cryptopsy album, Blasphemy Made Flesh. This just, it, there's something about this that has a real Cryptopsy-like quality. Um, and uh, the songwriting is there. There's some really interesting songwriting. There's some great riffs. It's not all about the speedy kind of flutter-picked riffs. There's some cool um, uh, down-tempo parts, some really excellent leads. And there's a little bit of a sense of humor, but it's not overwhelming. I wouldn't call them a silly band or anything like that. Uh, and um, it's all around, it's just a great EP. It's five songs. And um, the, the, like I said, there's some really cool leads, cool atmosphere. And the sense of humor, I think, is mainly in the wordplay. Uh, like you have Morbidian's Blue Cafe, Simply Fell Towards, Many Mangled Maggots. Uh, these guys had a little bit of fun with the lyrics, but if you listen to the music, this is some serious death metal. Like I said, for fans of early Cryptopsy, maybe fans of Sinister and, and that more style of uh, 90s death metal than what you would think if I told you this band was from Sweden in 1994. This album pulses. Very like Cryptopsy, but it doesn't sound like a ripoff. Yeah, excellent. Heavy as fuck. I am not as familiar with the rest of their catalog as this album because this CD was gifted to me by a friend who didn't enjoy it as much back in high school. Uh, Sucker. And, yeah, and I've always enjoyed it. I always liked the brutal stuff, and sometimes people wanted to go for something uh, a little different. But uh, I've always enjoyed this so much, and I've sampled some of their later work. I don't know that it um, recaptured the same charm as this EP, but this is a good place to start if you want to check out Defleshed from Sweden. Fleshed from Sweden started their career with that EP Ma Bell Scalpel. Um, and uh, we started this episode uh, telling you guys how thankful we are, and we're thankful that you stuck with us throughout the whole episode. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Ken from Ken's Death Metal Crypt, uh, and we hope that immediately following this episode, you binge watch every episode, uh, every video he posted, every time he interviewed someone. Watch everything! Do it, nerd! Watch yeah. everything, or you're a poser! Um, and then get a database of every Ken's Death Metal Crypt episode you watched, <laughs> and you keep your own database. It goes on forever. It goes deeper than you think. Um, databases well, of databases. Listen, yeah. how much do you care? A lot. 
Yeah. Then watch it all. Yeah. yeah. Watch everything. Learn about everything. It's a great resource. We thank Ken for his time. Seriously, uh, I appreciate his story. I appreciate um, him flexing on us like effortlessly. And uh, uh, again, go check out Ken's Death Metal Crypt. Check out uh, all the bands he recommended. Check out all mm-hmm. the bands we recommended, mm-hmm. especially especially the band I recommended. Yeah, check out Will's band. Yeah, and um, uh, <laughs> uh, check out uh, your families from afar on Skype and Zoom this holiday season. Yeah. It's depressing. No, seriously, uh, check us out on Patreon. We got bonus episodes. We got a thank you list episode. Um, we got uh, for you know for for Thanksgiving we get cute. We got another bonus episode uh, that's only for the Patreon big fish people. Uh, get on Patreon. We mm-hmm. tell you who's coming up on the show. Sometimes you can add your own questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got bonus episodes. We got videos that you access early. We got all sorts of stuff. So check us out on Patreon. Um, if you want the links to that and to our, our Instagram and our social media and everything else, go to uh, heavyholepodcast.com. And um, if you're an Instagrammer, if yeah, you're, if you're w, a young person, www.heavyholepodcast. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've, Take yeah. my spot. I'm sorry. Um, I've been doing the. I IG. did this. I've been doing this one the whole time. If you're a young person, I've been doing the Instagram lives every week, uh, every Sunday night, uh, going live on Instagram, showing off merchandise and show flyer. I'll keep doing it until I'm the only one and no one's watching, and then I'm just going to shut it off and go to sleep. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to go live, talk questions, ask questions, uh, talk about the show, talk about my bands, I'm doing it. I'm showing off my cat's bed. It's Hell great. Yeah. Um, uh, so check us, out, check us out on Instagram and all the different social medias. Uh, we try to stay up on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, please do check us out on Patreon. We try to make it worth your while and offer some extra incentives and bonus content. Uh, and um, we do not have a database. No, we don't. But you can check out Tom. On the Heavy Hole Podcast, you can check out Big Will, Heavy Hole Podcast. You can check out Justin every time. How many databases do you have? Less than one. Oh, 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 oh,